Welcome back to Behind Our Door Mini, our favorite, favorite time um, to record. We love doing these little minis. Hope you're enjoying them too. Hello, Nancy. Hello. Hello, Julie. Welcome back, everybody, to our little conversations. So we thought it would be important, obviously, to address another active shooting that we've had in our country, sadly, in Maine. And I've been following it fairly closely. Being in law enforcement, it always intrigues me on every aspect of the who, the why, um, the where. And I like they haven't given a, a ton of information other than he was um, currently serving, and correct me if I'm wrong, Nancy, wasn't he currently serving in the reserves or something? Uh, I don't know if he currently was, but he had a history and I, I'm, you know, I'm not completely sure about that, but I don't know if he was currently, I mean, the thing that got me is that, you know, every warning sign was there and, um, even presented, I mean, his family was aware that he had these issues. They were not quiet about it. He was hospitalized. In July, all of this. So, but his family didn't hospitalize him. Who hospitalized him? The, the government did. Oh, he was, um, well, I don't remember the situation of why he would be yeah. hospitalized. So I think the question is going to become whose responsibility is it and who didn't intervene quick enough. It's my understanding. And again, I might be wrong on this, so please don't quote me on any of this, um, that it had come up that he was threatening um to shoot up bases or something along those lines. Well, but I look the bottom line is how did he ever get a gun like that? You know, I mean, they're easy to get. There is, yeah, but this is the problem. <laughs> That's the problem. That's the root of a lot of a lot of this is how, you know, what we're going to do about these guns. How is it easy for someone with all these red flags to get a gun, let alone a gun like that? Well, speaking of red flag, that's what I was going to ask you. So mm -hmm. in various states, they have what's known as red flag and yellow flag. Have you heard of this? Yeah, we had a show talking about red flag laws. Okay, well, apparently Maine has yellow flags. And yellow flag means that someone um, from a first responder has to report it. Yeah, red flag is the family and yellow flag is... Like and a lot of states have red flag laws, which is great, even though they have to be used properly. Um, but yeah, I've never, I didn't realize that. I haven't heard of that. So, and what that means in essence is when you flag someone, they're supposed to investigate if they own weapons and then take those weapons away. But obviously it takes time. It takes time to go through the system. If you saw me right now, I'm shaking my head. I mean, I just feel like this is this is the problem. This is the biggest part. You know, our country's such a mess with these. these I'm going to read it for. No. I'm going to read what red flag laws are. Allows people to petition for the temporary confiscation of an individual's firearm if that person is deemed to be a risk to themselves or others. So that's what a red flag law is. But Maine had yellow flag. So, you know, it's the culmination. I think I, I hate that we are so focused on gun control in this country because mm. the reality is if we had intervened sooner, we wouldn't have to worry about the gun control portion of it. Well, 
I disagree in, to the term of gun control. I think that, you know, guns, if guns weren't so readily available, and no one would be shooting up a crowd like this in the first place. But, um, you know, this yellow flag, you know, it all looks good on paper, red flag laws, yellow, you know, the warnings, but it still didn't work. You know, it's still, this still was this catastrophe that happened. And this tragedy wasn't able to be controlled or prevented. I feel like there's no answer right now that is being, you know, put into action, that's for sure. And guns to me are, that's the basis of a lot of this. Yeah, because they're so easily accessible more. Yeah. And, and shockingly. Yes. Shockingly you know, and, so. and people want to implement more, more laws, but the, re, the reality of that too is I look at a city like Chicago that has the toughest gun laws in the nation. And how is their crime rate? Yeah. It's, it's not working. Because it's out of control. Yes. You know, I mean, to say we're going to take guns away from somebody, I mean, they, that would be great if that really happened. But when have you ever heard of that? I mean, I'm not in the know for someone going to knock on someone, you know, finding out that someone who has a gun that shouldn't, they knock on the door and take it. Hopefully that happens sometimes, but I have never heard of this really being a program in any city, state or anywhere. I just feel like they're in the wrong hands, too easily to get. It's like this; these mass shootings wouldn't be happening without the guns. <laughs> so, I mean, of course, but yeah, not, you know, we live in America and we're not going to get rid of weapons. So we have to implement some strategies to work around that. And I think part of that is is the intervention, early intervention, um, long-term care. I think yeah. that's one of the biggest questions that I got asked in law enforcement when dealing with people who are in crisis. You know, the family want to know like, well, where can I take them? They shouldn't be by themselves. They mm -hmm. won't take their medication if they're by themselves. What do we do? And I had no answer for that because yeah. we don't have long-term treatment unless you are committed to a facility um, by a judge's order. Yeah, there's a really scary gray area with with this kind of situation of when a family is really aware. And this, I, this family and... Um, was aware that he had these problems. They did not keep it to themselves. They, you know, it was tragic and sad all around, but including the point of, you know, uh, this wasn't something that was swept under the rug or, you know, like in Highland Park, the shooting where the father is still on trial for uh, aiding the, the application of this shooter getting a gun in the first place. This family was not doing that. They were really aware. And um, this is a person that was seriously mentally ill that, you know, was even hospitalized a few months ago and everything was out in front of them. But somehow that gray area slips through the cracks. And um, I have no words. I just feel like there's got to be some big changes. And I he was evaluated. He was in a yeah. hospital for two weeks That's what's... and they let him out. Right. That's my point to it at all. So yeah. at some point the doctor thought he was, he was okay, but he really wasn't okay. Sometimes it's even a question of gray area plus insurance and money. Where can this person go? You know, it's, right. it's not like it's free. And, right. um, and so I think 
and maybe he was on medication and appeared to be okay, but you know, and the best case scenario would be to have someone really get help for a long, long time. Nothing in two weeks when we all, when you and I heard that, I know you thought the same thing as me, like two weeks, it's, you know, it's not long enough for any, for a, a serious illness like this, two weeks is isn't even going to start to well, cut it's, it. it's yeah it's not long enough for medications to yeah. stabilize you or to even realize not even close working i think um a lot of families and caregivers need to understand that that medications can take six weeks to a couple months to find out if they're really working so yeah. you have to be patient with that process it's it's not an overnight thing yeah so um Hopefully one of these, one of these times, something will really change. And it's a mixture of everything. You know, it's a combination of uh, addressing the gun issue, which is huge, but also like you're saying, intervention and um, making we are some of these we are programs. On the guns issue. Well, yes and no. Yes, on paper, but the guns are still ending up in the hands of people that shouldn't have them. It's not working. So, so something has to change. Now, regarding these red and yellow flag laws, I have to give you a different perspective about it. Now, what if I'm a person who, um, I don't know, has been through a traumatic incident. And so briefly, I am having a crisis. Does that mean all my weapons need to be taken away and never to be returned? Like, it's a slippery slope. You know what? I it is a slippery slope. However, I think that there has to be some I think there has to be some form of zero tolerance to to turn this gear in a different direction. Whatever we're doing now obviously is not working. It just not at all. And so um I don't know how to obtain all the guns that are already out there. I mean, that's the million dollar question in all of these small towns, big cities. But um, it, I just think that there has to be a stricter line drawn and someone like that, like you're describing, I would say, well, that's a shame that you're temporarily having a crisis, but it would be, um, yes, immediately take the guns away and to get guns back would be a big, big process. We're not talking about, you know, someone like some of these colleges and universities have um, established programs where, and, and many places of employment and all, if somebody is taking a leave for mental health reasons, they need to get uh, written doctors, certifications, et cetera, that they're okay to come back, that they are mentally stable under medical care to come back. And some of the schools, some of the universities, there have been complaints, have made it too difficult for a student to come back. So therefore they're hesitant to go get help. That's a whole nother problem. I'm not changing the subject. I'm just, I mean, I know it's a whole nother problem, but I know that the problem with the schools is that you have to have some sort of line drawn and then look at all the individuals and, and look at the individual cases. When it comes to guns, I feel like um, that person who is having a temporary setback would, yes, be lumped into the person who is great danger to have a gun until there could be some sort of investigation on it and certification to have them get a gun back, which is 
even hard to say, but, but I, um, I just think there has to be zero tolerance. There has to be a much stricter line drawn of, you know, what the rules are in every city, every state, because I know I keep repeating myself, what we're doing is not working. It's well, a nightmare. I mean, it's, it's just getting working. worse. That's why, yeah. That's why I'm just brainstorming yeah. ideas out loud with you, but yeah, I, um, I don't necessarily agree that if someone's going through a crisis and it's, again, it's a slippery slope, there has to be some kind of investigation. People can't just walk into people's houses and rip guns out because the mother, brother, cousin, friend, neighbor called, you know, it, it just can't work like that. Like we have to have some documentation or I don't know. Then maybe put together in all of these places, teams that are not there right now, form more support teams and investigative teams to be able Mm -hmm. to Mm -hmm. really dive into this in a different way. Because right now, maybe, you know, there's not enough manpower, woman power to do that. Um, So they can't enforce this because I can clearly tell you there's a shortage of law enforcement across the nation. So, yeah, unfortunately, you know, I, I guess they, (laughs) And everything's a priority in policing, right? Every crime yeah. is, right, you know, and so it depends which way the wind blows and what becomes a priority. Yeah. Let me ask you something. In law enforcement, have you, had you ever in your career, or maybe you have a few times, seen, uh, you know, a situation where there's a warning about somebody and you go to their home or wherever they are and take their guns? Have you ever witnessed that? or? No. No, that's just, to me, that's mind blowing that there, I just can't, I'm so not in that line of work that I really, you know, I'm just saying words. I don't know the system at all, but as a lay person, it's just mind blowing to me that we go on and on and there's no control of the guns. It's just unbelievable. We go into people's homes and take their guns. Yeah, I know. Now you're you're talking for First Amendment rights, and you can't break people's First Amendment rights. Yeah, not necessarily even going into their home, but getting finding out. So that was registering for a gun. You know, somebody has to register and get a background check. Again, it's a system that doesn't work. So yes, in Chicago, they put in place, and and I don't know the specifics. So please, again, don't quote me on this. We had a unit that did that. So in Chicago, oh really? Oh, in Illinois, you have to have a FOID card a firearm owner identification card to legally carry a weapon, right? Yes. Anyone? Has, okay. Okay. Go ahead. Yes. Except for the bad guys who don't carry any of that. Yeah. That's as, that's I as mean, effective as the buildings yes. that have a gun with the Ghostbusters, no gun sign a sticker right. on the door. I feel like, oh, that's going to help. I mean, right. maybe I'm just being. I know. And no, I agree with you that they're useless, but. So if, in fact, there is some type of incident where a person gets hospitalized in a mental health facility for mental health treatment, the I'm not sure if it's the hospital exactly or the network of hospitals or how, but they then notify the state police and then that firearm identification card gets revoked or suspended um, and the weapons, I think, are supposed to be removed. Now, again, I'm not sure if that's specifically how it works, but it's something along those lines. I did not work in that unit. And 
you know, by the time it was coming into fruition, I was more on my way out. So I really wasn't paying close attention. Um, and so I know, you know, but different states, they don't, they don't have firearm or FOID cards. You don't need cards. You can, you can carry wherever. And if you're not hospitalized or have never been hospitalized, then how do we, a lot of people, you know, that shouldn't have guns have never been hospitalized or got, you know, Yes. Have a record of any kind of psychological treatment. Yes. Too many. And what if they were a, a minor at the time, you know? Yeah. And now they're an adult. And so I think we need to just bridge some gaps in our system in general. Just bridge the gaps. Long, I vote for long-term care. If somebody's in a crisis, a week, five days, two oh, weeks. Oh, sure. Definitely. Is, is not going to do it. Yeah. It's like having someone go to rehab for two days. I mean, it's just, you know, all of this is a process of a long, you know, like you're saying, medication, you know, to even have that, see if that's working, it's three months. And then if you have to change it, it's another three months. Right. Um, But uh, there's too many things going on where they just check it off the list and feel like, you know, let's just put them in a a mental health uh, psych unit and and then he's, you know, it's like a holding tank and not much is done. Right. You know, I, I would love to see the records for that, this particular guy from Maine of what exactly was done in those two weeks. You know, I mean, there's. Yeah, wouldn't we all? Yeah. There's, it interests me a lot. I'm always interested in, in that. But yeah. again, through my experience in law enforcement, we would take people who were in major crisis to the hospital and within 48 hours, they were back out. And we were getting the same calls. So um, I think. What was the reason for that because of the expense of it all? Or no. what was what was the reason? But, but the tax- person could pull it together to be like, you know, I'm really fine. Or I mean, sure, that's absolutely possible. But a doctor has to sign off to let them out. Yeah. And so I think a little part of this responsibility needs to be put back on these hospitals who are taking care of them. And what, what are their, they're not laws, what are their standards? What are their protocol set in place? Yeah. You know, and it's my understanding that if they are no longer a danger to themselves or other, then they are allowed to let them out. But, yeah. you know, yeah. I mean, it's so just because you're not this minute doesn't mean yeah, that. Right. I mean, and of course they don't know what's to come that this person is lethal. Weapon. Right. And I'm not, I'm not blaming them. Yeah. Please don't, don't right. think I'm blaming. No. Um, because I know it's a, a tough job and a tough industry, but I just, yeah. we need better checks and balances across the board. So. Absolutely. Hopefully one of these times there will be a huge change. In the meantime, our thoughts and prayers to the heartbreak of all yes. these families is yes. um, hard to put into words. I feel so for all of these people that have lost people due to these to these horrific mass shootings so um, it's a situation that needs to be looked at and really changed in this country. Yeah, thank so. you for saying that. Because uh, I think about the victims of Maine and the first responders. So our, yeah. hearts, our hearts go out to them and we think of them. Yeah. Well, on that note, we'll see everyone in a week. With yes. a wonderful guest to come, Dr. Saul Zelon. And uh, signing off. Bye, Julie. Bye. Don't forget. 
You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. We welcome your input. To contact us or any of our guests, please email us at behindourdoor at mail.com. That's behindourdoor at mail.com. And please don't forget to like and share our podcast. Um, Leave us a rating. Tell us how we're doing. We really want your feedback. It's important to us. We are so thankful that you are here and listening to us. If you or someone you know is in crisis struggling with mental illness, you can call the National Suicide Hotline at 1-800-273-8255 or the NAMI Helpline at 1-800-950-6264. Until next time, please join us for another conversation behind our door. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.